You're listening to the Living Leadership Podcast, growing disciple-making leaders. My name is Marcus Honeysett. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to reflect on what it means to be spiritually well-formed leaders and how to be devoted to continually growing in our spiritual formation. I love the word formation. I love the idea behind it. Like rock formations, it speaks to me of people who want to be weighty and wise in character. It's about godly transformation. It's about learning to incline our hearts more and more to God and his word. It's about being leaders who want to experience the blessing of God and pass it on. Like Abraham, being blessed to be a blessing. Why is spiritual formation important for leaders? It would be easy and true to say, because that is the centre out of which we lead. But that's only half the answer, less than half the answer. The more important part is that God is the Lord and we want him. We want to know him and we want him. Experiencing him and growing in our relationship with him as the Bible describes it, walking by or living by or being led by the Holy Spirit, giving care and attention to our prayer and worship lives, these are not incidental things. They are everything. Being rooted in the love of God and experiencing his grace, remaining in the vine, these things are the heart of spiritual leadership. The Bible talks about people who delight in the Lord being fruitful trees planted by streams of water. Leadership doesn't exist in one box and our spiritual walk in another. Leadership is not first and foremost rooted in how skilled we are. It's about receiving his grace daily, taking up our cross, following Jesus and serving. I'm always amazed and if I'm honest, a bit disappointed when I discover leader trainings and college and seminary courses for leaders that don't have a component about becoming spiritually well-formed leaders. Because every other element of training is really only a value if we're surrendering to the Lord, serving others in love, and knowing him changing our hearts and attitudes to be like Jesus. We want to be people who are known for that above all else. Without that, what you actually get for the most part, is technical skill. And skill without godly character, ability without wisdom, strength of leadership without Christ-like humility are all a disaster for leadership in the kingdom of God. The American writer Chuck Miller has written an excellent book called The Spiritual Formation of Leaders. I thoroughly recommend you get hold of it if you can. That's The Spiritual Formation of Leaders by Chuck Miller. In it, he says this. We are creatures, we are soul creatures with feelings, longings, desires, fears and loves. We need relationships because we're created for communion with God. We are people of the soul room. But we also have an outer life and we're on a journey that's observable. We have the opportunity to influence others. We are people of the leadership room. What happens in the soul room is foundational for everything that happens in the leadership room. And yet, let the busyness of the day consume us, and it is easy to work diligently in the leadership room, fulfilling tasks, meeting schedules, completing visible expectations, growing in skills, but to sideline the soul room, 
to know that God is waiting there as a consultant when I need him for some perspective on my activity, but basically there to serve my agenda. When we start with the soul room, we shift from our agendas to his. What we need is not his counsel, not even his gifts, but him. Spiritual formation, then, is really about how we are doing in our hearts. When I meet with Christian leaders and groups of leaders, almost the question I want to ask most is, how's your worship and prayer life at the moment? After all, the whole of creation is about worship. We are created to worship, redeemed to worship, and destined for worship in the new creation. I want to know, are they gripped and thrilled with the Lord? Are they enjoying opening his book to discover things that amaze and delight them and drive them to their knees in wonder? I want to ask that question of myself too. These are not just crucial questions for our God-directed lives. They're also critical for our leadership. The strength for everything in the Christian life, including leadership, is the joy of the Lord. There is an indelible link between effective service for the Lord and enjoying him between the soul room and the leadership room. It is possible to do leadership without enjoying God, but it won't be good leadership. It is possible to teach people the facts of the gospel without enjoying God, but it won't be compelling because that only comes from hearts that are alight for him. We can develop in the technical skills of leading, but if we're not falling more and more in love with God, that has no eternal value. It might look impressive, but it isn't built out of lasting materials. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, says that the human heart or will or spirit is the executive centre of human life. It's where decisions are made for the whole person. And therefore, what goes on in our hearts transforms our thoughts, feelings, choices, our body and our relationships. Therefore, as we progressively count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ, right at the centre of our sense of identity, we can expect to see those other parts of our character and world transformed as well. We are becoming creatures of the soul room. I want to mention briefly three things that are critical to energise our spiritual life, our soul room life. Here's the first one. Spiritual formation transformation of our hearts, is about learning to live and to enjoy being the person God has already recreated us to be. Christians are saved by grace, the free unmerited blessing of God, God giving us wonderfully everything we don't deserve because of Jesus. Grace is bigger than you think. It isn't just one part of the good news. It is the good news. Colossians 1.6 says that the good news is the message of God's grace in all its truth. It is truth-soaked grace. What has God done for us? What is God doing in us? It's common to hear people say that the great blessing of the gospel is forgiveness for sins. And it is an amazing blessing. But it's not the great blessing. If you like, forgiveness gets us up out of the pit and back to neutral. The great blessing of grace is that God gives us not just forgiveness, but that he adopts us into his family and credits Jesus' perfect righteousness to us. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Or Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says, But now a righteousness from God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes from God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. In 1 Timothy 1.14, we read that grace is poured out abundantly, along with faith and love. And in Romans 5.17, we discover that those who receive this grace of God reign in life through Jesus Christ. The message of grace is the message of righteousness and adoption from God. The experience of grace is the experience of righteousness from God, delighting in the righteousness of God. Therefore, the heart of our job as leaders is to help people see and receive the grace of God. We are helping people know how to receive and seeking God with them for grace. And therefore, we need to be people who drink deeply ourselves. There is no substitute. Notice that we're not trying to become new creations by our own effort. No, when God rescues and redeems us, we are new creations. The old has gone. The new has come. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We might not always sense these things, but that is the reality. We're now learning to live out our new identity. It might feel strange at first, like trying on new clothes that feel like they belong to somebody else. It might take a while to let it bed in. Disciples are new creations by the grace of God. That's the first thing about spiritual formation. It is about learning to live as the person God has already recreated us to be. The second thing is that spiritual leadership, therefore, is rooted in being captivated by the glory of God's grace. Christ-saturated leaders are not people who are merely exercising a set of skills. That's worldly leadership. Missional, disciple-making, Christ-focused leadership comes from hearts that are being swept away with God's amazing grace. People who find him compellingly beautiful, who are captivated by the glory of God. Everything God does, he does for the sake of his glory. Or it says in Ephesians, for the praise of the gospel of the glory of his grace. That includes him making creation. It includes Jesus coming and dying and rising again and ascending and pouring out the Holy Spirit. It includes him calling us and joining us into Jesus's church. The reason for our lives and the reason for the church is the praise of his glory. It's the reason for redemption. Ephesians 1.13 says, You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were given the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glorious grace. Jesus died to redeem, but to redeem for a purpose, that his glorious grace might be praised and that he might be worshipped by people of every language and tribe and tongue. Leaders are given to the church as under-shepherds for that. And therefore, it is critical that leaders do Romans 5.2. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I wonder how normal or unusual this understanding of leadership would be in your church or your small group or your campus ministry or other ministries that you're involved in.
The last thing I want to say, therefore, about spiritual formation and leadership and our souls today is that it is critical that we have a worship-directed life. Experiencing the joy of the Lord in our hearts is the starting point and the sustaining power of spiritual leadership. And it is also both the starting point and the sustaining power for disciple-making. Sometimes you might like to go up and down the Psalms and count the number of times that delighting in God and proclaiming him to the nations go together. It's a lot. There's a very close connection between worshipping, proclamation and the task of making disciples. Mission arises out of worshipping hearts that are delighting in the Lord. It takes place through us praising the one that we delight in to other people all around the world in order that they will come and be worshipping disciples with us. Mission starts with worship, ends with worship and is fueled by worship all the way through. Worship is the motivation, the goal, the means, and the power. One great psalm just to make a note of is Psalm 67, which says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Or in other words, mission starts with God being gracious to us. As we live transparently as trophies of grace, recipients of his blessing, publicly enjoying him, others will be drawn to him. Leadership and disciple making starts with and is sustained by what God is doing in our hearts. Worshipless leaders ought to be a contradiction in terms. We will just wear out. Worshipless leaders justify our existence by our works rather than our relationship with the Lord. Right at the very heart of our leadership task is the love and grace of God overflowing from us to others. And that can't happen unless we are recipients. If we want to serve with joy and without burning out, we have to receive from his grace daily. It's no use uh, just relying on grace received many years ago. If we want to grow worshipping disciples, we have to be worshipping disciples. If we want to see people going deep with God in prayer, and so must we. Anybody who's been in Christian ministry for a while knows how easy it is to fool people that we are spiritual when we're not. We have such great masks. And we know how easy it is to use public visibility and responsibility to build reputation and platform for ourselves. It's pretty easy to fool people. We can sucker at least some people into respecting us by looking outwardly impressive and sorted. Well, I'm doing really well because I'm so busy. I disciple other people. I'm up the front. I'm in demand. People don't look inside, but God does. And he doesn't give his gifts for worldly gain or for status or pride. As a result of listening to this episode, I would love you to take time to consider what next steps you would like to take with God in your worship life. Spiritual formation is about seeking and experiencing the blessing of God. It's about the orientation of our hearts and about how God transforms us as we gaze on Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3. How goes it with your heart? Are you an unashamed worshipper? Do you have a soft heart? This is the only way that the love and grace of God overflow from us to others. The only leadership that produces real deep faith 
is that which captivates people with Christ, that presents him not only as the answer to their questions and needs, not only as the rescuer from hell, as critical and neglected at the moment as that is, but as the beautiful Lord, the bridegroom, the beloved who thrills our hearts and is worthy of our worship forever, who we hold up as a precious jewel, as magnificent, not merely as the answer to a set of existential needs or intellectual questions. Growing in spiritual leadership will always mean that the display of God's glory in your character is the most important thing in your entire life. Well, thank you for joining me for this episode. I hope you found it stimulating and useful. If you haven't already, hit subscribe to receive new episodes every couple of weeks to enhance your leadership. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. For more about Living Leadership, to connect with us, to give, or to sign up for regular prayer news, please visit livingleadership.org. Blessings.